I want you to have your Bibles ready because we're actually, we're gonna, I'm gonna take you to a few places today. I don't, I don't wanna overwhelm, but we're gonna, we are going to go to a few places today throughout the sermon. But I think first of all, what I need to do is I need to introduce uh, a question, a question that needs to be answered, and the question is why. Okay, why empowered? Why 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14? Why the series? I assume that the elders, as they pray about what to preach, there's purpose and reason behind it. Well, let me take you back uh, uh, about a year. When we were in John 14, Jesus speaking to his disciples before he was crucified, there he kept comforting them that he was leaving. And how is this a good thing? And you remember what Jesus said? It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. But I will go away and I will send to you the Holy Spirit, the helper who will be with you. And then we went to Titus the book of Titus, and we preached a series called Calibrated, where we talked about a church that works not for salvation, but because of salvation. And we looked at how God works from the top down and he, he changes people and influences them for the better and moves them towards a life that looks like Jesus. And then he uses them for a very particular work, a work of helping the world see that Jesus is real. And so he calibrates us. He tunes us to look like Jesus for that purpose. So think about this then, then a natural uh, question after those two series would be something like, okay, then how does he use us? Or how about this? How does he empower weak people to do an amazing work? How does he empower us? And that's a good question because the person asking that question recognizes that the power is not within them. The power is in God alone and his Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, empowers his people. And you see this tagline, empowered by the Spirit through love for others. We've just given you the three chapters in the overview. Chapter 12, by the Spirit. Chapter 13, through love. Chapter 14, for others empowered. First Corinthians 12, let's jump right in. I want to talk to you about Corinthians, why we're in this book, Corinthians. And, and I know that there's something like, well, oh, we're going to the book, we're going to like, like the bad example in the New Testament. Are they worried that we're like the Corinthians now? You heard Bjorn, Bjorn say earlier, we, we actually feel a, a, a health in Summit Church right now. We feel a love and a unity and we want that to remain. And we want, he even said, praying for protection one of the reasons we come to 1 Corinthians is because they, were, they are our example of those who, who left that healthy place, left unity, went into disunity and division, and had to be written a letter, a letter of admonishment and exhortation and rebuke and correction. And now we have it here today in the Word to look at and say, we do not want to be like the Corinthians. Amen? So let me tell you about Corinth, the place. 1 Corinthians was written somewhere between 53 and 56 AD. Actually, it's one of the earliest epistles written by the apostle Paul. Jesus dies about 10 to 15 years later, this letter is written. Uh, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, we know, and then he wrote to the Corinthians and every other epistle comes after this one in the scriptures. And you see years and years and years, 20, 30 years go by as you read the New Testament. In the book of Acts, Saul gets saved. He's on the road to Damascus, to persecute Christians, God shows up and changes him, changes him into Paul and uses him as a mighty apostle 
for his purpose and for the mystery of the gospel that he brought to the churches. And so Paul goes in Acts chapter 18 to Corinth, moves on to Ephesus, but he goes to Corinth and there Christians become, people become saved, they become Christians and a church gets started in Corinth. And we know that there is many letters, actually several letters, we don't have all of them written, written to Corinth as Paul was constantly having to help them and correct them. We are no better than the Corinthians. They are our example. We need just as much help as they do. Corinth was an infamous city. And normally that word infamous is not used in a positive way, is it? The city was a, it was thriving, maybe economically wise, because it was a port city and everything came in and out through it. It was, a, it was like Vegas. People went there, a lot of money, a lot of business practices going on, but a lot of immorality going on. To be known as a Corinthian was to be known as someone who was immoral. The, the word Corinthian became synonymous with sexually immoral people. The, the, the place was, was filled with competition. It was filled with fighting. People were constantly making curses to one another. It was filled with paganism. It was filled with the Roman and the Greek gods and the evil religions of that day that these people would have been saved out of but would have been constantly surrounded by every day. The lights would go out at night and then the priestess from the temple would come into the city to pull people to an evil religion that would pull men into sexual immorality. Horrible, horrible place to live in, not unlike Sodom and Gomorrah and not unlike where we live today. Corinth was an infamous city. So Paul writes 1 Corinthians as he hears reports about how they're doing, right? It's reported among you, Paul says earlier in the book from Chloe's people, these things about you. So I needed to write you a letter. I needed to send you a letter before I could, because they can get there quicker than I can come, but be sure I'm going to come to you. And he actually says earlier in the letter, you choose whether I come to you with a spirit of gentleness or with a rod of discipline, because what was going on in this church was, was, uh, was, uh, multi uh, was, what's the word I'm looking for? It was a lot. There was a lot of stuff going on. He introduces in chapter one, the divisions. They were totally divided. They literally were, some were following Christ, some following Apollo, some following Paul. They were hitching their names to, to people and creating divisions and cliques and, and we're better than you. Chapter two comes on and shows that they're arrogant. They believe that they're wise or living according to the world's wisdom. And Paul shows them, no, you're not. Because the wisdom of the world is not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. And you're still living in the world's wisdom. Actually, in chapter two, he in introduces to the people, I wanted to come to you as spiritual people, but you're, you're carnal. You're of the flesh because you are still fighting and arguing amongst one another. Therefore, you're not in the spiritual maturity that you should be, but I have to come to you like infants and give you milk once again. You come to find out that was gross sexual immorality going on in the church. People were suing one another. They were getting divorced. They were having sex before marriage. You go on and you find out they were defaming the Lord's Supper. They were going back in chapter 10 to idols. Chapter eight, they were, they were doing things against their brothers. They didn't care. They were exercising every right that they had in their freedom in Christ, but they were doing it in an arrogant, self-serving way and not for the sake of others. And so Paul's like, man, they're so deceived. They got this wrong. I got to write to them. You come to chapter 11. They're abusing the Lord's Supper, getting drunk, not waiting on one another. Some going full, others starving. And some of them had become sick and died as a result of taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way way. 
And so we get to chapter 12 now. This is where we are. A good church to learn from, wouldn't, wouldn't you say so far? We come to chapter 12, which brings us to the title today. And here's, here's the title, Of the Spirit. I want to read the verses, but before I do, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Look here at the screen. The Holy Spirit, we're told, is God. He is a person, John 14. Not a force, not a power. He is a person. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. He feels emotions. The Holy Spirit is God, a person. He's called the helper, the comforter, the illuminator. He's the one who helps you understand spiritual things. You cannot understand them on your own. Regenerator. He's the one who makes you go from a dead person to a a living spiritual person whose soul will last forever with God. Only he can regenerate the dead soul. John, Jesus tells us in John that he convicts the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's the seal of salvations in Ephesians 1. You know that you're sealed, protected, waiting till the day of salvation because you've been given the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're sealed. He baptizes and indwells all believers you see in Acts chapter one, 1 Corinthians three, about being immersed into the Holy Spirit. You know, John baptized in water, but Jesus would baptize people into the Holy Spirit, immersed, and who are we talk Being immersed into God himself, a people who are immersed, covered in God. He empowers all saints with gifts, services, and activities. We'll see here in 1 Corinthians 12. He testifies of Jesus, John 15. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit's gonna come and he's gonna bring to remembrance all the things that I've taught you and he will testify about me. We will come back to this in verse three of chapter 12. And we know in Galatians chapter five that the person who walks, who has the spirit inside of them and walks in step with the spirit, their life experiences the fruit that only the spirit can bring. And the type of fruit that the whole world is looking for but will never find in the black hole of darkness that they live in and that we once lived in and that we constantly feel the pull from. Things like joy, not gonna find it without the spirit. Peace, not gonna find it without the spirit. Love, not gonna experience it or be able to give it without the spirit. Kindness, gentleness, self-control, Patience, all of these things that you cannot muster up within your own strength. You need the power of God to experience this fruit. This is the Holy Spirit. This is just a few things and characteristics and identities about God, the Holy Spirit. Now, let's read verses one through three of chapter 12. First Corinthians 12, one through three says this. Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and no one can say Jesus is accursed if they're speaking by, if they say they're speaking by the Holy Spirit. I read that one backwards, had a little, little backwards moment there. No one can say Jesus is accursed if they're speaking in the Holy Spirit. Spirit will never lead anyone to say that. And then no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here's a question we're gonna answer today. The question is this, and I hope this is one that you care about. How can I know that I'm following the Holy Spirit and not the Spirit 
of the age. How, how can I know? How can all of us, some at church, individuals, those who claim to follow Christ, know that my life is being influenced and I am following the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and not the spirit of the age? Turn with me real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look down at verse 12. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12, Paul says this. Now now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. I want everyone on your own time to go and read, study, meditate, and pray over 1 Corinthians chapter two and come to a place where you're like, I want to understand what he's saying because it's very important. He's helping us know that there is knowledge about God that we can only have if, if it's coming to us from the Holy Spirit. We read the scriptures and are able to not just read it, but understand what is meant by it, the spirit of God. But there's a way that the spirit of the world would try to understand even this. And the scripture concludes that to the world, this is foolishness, right? They read it and, and triggered or read it and like, this is stupid or read it and like, who can understand this? But the spirit of God works in persons in a very particular way. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. This is part of the problem they were in because their reasoning and their understanding were making conclusions that were revealing they were living in the spirit of the world, the spirit of demons and not the Holy Spirit. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter two. You gotta go uh, past 1 Corinthians Galatians, Ephesians. Chapter two. And I want you to drop down to verse two. Well, let's read one and two. Look what Paul says. He says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So so when the scripture talks about different spirits, know this, there's only two spirits that are at work in a person. And, and, And no one is never ever in a neutral ground. No one's ever neutral. You're, you're either having the spirit of God at work in you or the spirit of the world, which is the spirit of the devil. There is no neutral ground. At any moment in life, what's influencing you, what, what's telling you to feel things about things that you hear, what's causing you to make uh, uh, conclusions, what you want to follow, what you say is right and what you say is wrong, that's a spirit at work in you. So the question is, Just like these Corinthians, they believed that they were following the Holy Spirit. They were deceived. They were not. 
and the fruit of their life prove, the conclusions and the fruit of their life prove that they were actually following the spirit of age. We do not want to get there. How did Paul know? Because they were divided. They were fighting. They were filled with jealousy and envy and competition. Sin was not dealt with. It was being allowed to be among the people. It was rampant. They were arguing and then even even using the things that they were saying were the gifts given to them by the Holy Spirit to put down one another and elevate themselves. Showing Paul's like, well, they obviously are not living according to the wisdom that comes by the Spirit, but still operating in the work of the Spirit of the age. Does anyone want to be led by the Spirit of darkness, thinking it's the Spirit of God? I feel for my brothers and sisters, no. So the question we want to answer is, how can I know that I'm following the Holy Spirit and not the spirit of the age? I want to give you three things. The first thing is this. Don't settle for ignorance. Do not settle in your own heart for spiritual ignorance. Look what he says here in verse one of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Look at the heart of Paul. I don't, Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to have the knowledge that you need concerning the Holy Spirit. Now let's start at the beginning of the verse. I want to help bring you some understanding where I believe there's misunderstanding about chapter 12 when we go to it. He says this, now concerning spiritual gifts. Let's go to get the red there all right here. Notice this, I have on the screen, and bear with me, be patient. I've actually crossed out a word there, and before you, before you stone me, that word is not in the original language. That word has been added. The word gifts has been added. The word here that Paul says now concerning, he does not say spiritual gifts, what he says is he says pneumatikos, which is spirituals. It's the plural for the word spirit. Spirituals, or in other words, now, brothers, concerning the things of the Holy Spirit. This chapter does include gifts. Look, let me prove this to you. Look down at verse four. Paul says this, now there are varieties of gifts. That's a totally different word. That's the word for gift but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. The focus of 1 Corinthians 12 is about understanding the Holy Spirit and how he operates within his people. Listen, I want you to forever remember this. Do not run to 1 Corinthians 12 as a, as a means to try to understand your spiritual gift first. The main point of what Paul is saying to these brothers is that they were deceived and following the spirit of the world and they thought it was the Holy Spirit. So he says, I'm gonna write to you concerning the things, everything that would entail the Holy Spirit so you can recognize when you're operating in him or in the world. And he includes gifts later, but he also includes everything else. This is a passage about the Holy Spirit and understanding him and discerning him from the spirit of demons. Now read it like this. Now concerning spiritual things, concerning the things of the Holy Spirit, brothers, I do not want you 
to be uninformed. It is this that must be eaten. You must feed upon this. This must invade your mind. Paul said to the Romans that transformation only comes by renewal of the mind. It must be on the pathway to your brain and to your heart to influence you, to change you. Because guess what? Living on planet earth, whether you like it or not, there is 20,000 different avenues of lies and spirits of the world trying to invade your mind. And if you're not putting effort into learning this, you will default into the spirit of the age. It's not a neutral ground where you wake up, you know, am I going to fall into the spirit or fall into the world? Because, and as long as we are in these bodies that are dying of flesh, it will always pull us like a black hole of gravity that we cannot overcome on our own. It will always pull us back in to where we were. And we'll see this here in verse two. I'm gonna read you a few verses. Proverbs 15, verse 14 says, the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feed on folly. Proverbs eighteen fifteen says this, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Not in a air, knowledge puffs up type of way, but a, but a, a genuine uh, person who wants to know truth, who doesn't want to just believe what they hear. Someone who, who doesn't want to be spiritually ignorant. And by the way, born on planet earth, you don't wake up and just have spiritual knowledge. This is why God has preserved his word. He's brought it to you. He calls people to come alongside you, disciple you. He gives you pastors, people who are called to teach it, people who are interpreting it, people who are putting it in your language because God knows this is what you need. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit operates through. He operates through this and any spirit that would that would, any spirit that's coming up in your heart that would kind of push this away, is that the spirit of the world or the spirit of God? You decide, that's the whole point. How do you know? Do not settle for ignorance. Paul wanted them to be informed. Do you want to be informed about spiritual things? Do you want to understand the Holy Spirit properly or just the way you want to understand him? Just the way you were raised to understand him? Just, just the way you've been told to understand him. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show yourself approved by God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Here at Summit, we want people to be Bereans. We want you to take what someone says here on stage and you say, is that right? And then you study for yourself. We are not special. Your, thor, your, your, your submission is not ultimately to us You are submitting to God as we have to. Paul makes this point to the Corinthians early on in the book as they were, some were trying to like follow Paul, some Apollos. He says, man, we're stewards of God's grace just like you. We're servants. We have no knowledge outside of the spirit of the world into the things of the Holy Spirit except through this. Do you know what Peter tells us? That by his divine power, 2 Peter chapter 1, by his divine power, he has granted to you all things. Do you hear what I said? By his divine power, he has granted to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Where are you going to find those things that he's granted? Where are you going to find it? Right here. Everything that you need to know about living life on planet earth and about a life that is devoted to God, godliness, 
you have everything you need here. What do you think the spirit of the world, the spirit of demons wants you to think about life and godliness? You cannot find it in this. You must go here. You must go here. You must go here because this, as Paul tells Timothy, that he was acquainted with the Holy Scriptures from a young age and devote himself to it because it's able to make you wise for salvation. The demons know this and they want, they want nothing more than for you to ignore this. Not eat, sleep, and breathe it. Get it into your life. Live according to it. Anything they can do to distract you, this is what we're up against. Not neutral. All the time when we wake up, we are not defaulting into being good with God. And if your life has been devoid of this, an effort on your personal life to understand this has been devoid of it for years. And that means for years you've been defaulting into the spirit of demons and you don't even know it because the demons want to disguise itself as God's voice. You will be thinking you're following God. Which brings us to the next point. How can I know that I'm following the spirit and not the spirit of the age? Never forget how you were led astray. Never let yourself become ignorant to how the spirit of the age works. And is constantly trying to work in and through you. Verse 2 of chapter 12. He says this. You know that when you were pagans. You were led astray to mute idols. However you were led. Therefore I want you to understand. That no one speaking in the spirit of God. Ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord. Verse 2 there. He calls them who have been deceived. He writes this letter and he says, I want you to think about and remember what it was like when you were pagans, when you were lost in darkness, when you didn't know Jesus before he came. He says this, you know, you may be ignorant of spiritual things right now, but one thing you do know, Paul says to them, and you remember, you know for sure, is how you were led astray. Remember when you were pagans. Pagans means, it's just a word that means Gentile or outside of the people of God, which is all of us before we're saved. When you were pagans, how you were led astray. This word led astray is the same word they use for those who led Jesus astray to crucifixion. It's this idea of being shackled, put in chains, and and carried off to death. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray. And then led astray to what? what? What were you being led to? He says, mute idols. An idol is a fake God. It is what is the heart of man defaults to. We will make our own gods. And he says this, they're mute. Maybe your scripture says dumb, but it's the idea of not able to speak. Carved with hands, wood, meaning this. Those idols never teach you anything. They'll never give you anything. They'll never be able to give you the, the, the knowledge you need for life and godliness. They'll never be able to make you wise for salvation. They'll never be able to solve the problems of the black hole of darkness inside of you that's pulling at your feet, that's trying to pull you down and keep you down forever. They are deceiving you. Your own passions and your desires are leading you to mute idols. And then he says this, however you were led. What does he mean by that? It means when they spoke, you listen. When they said, do this, you did it. You did what they wanted you to do, when they wanted you to do, how they wanted you to do it. And all of us, if we take a second to think back and think of the things that draw us away, we know exactly what he's talking about here. Never forget how you were led astray. How were we led astray? Titus 3.3, 3, if you remember we're in Titus, Paul talked to, to, the believe, to the believer, he talked to Titus and he wanted them to remind him of the, remind the believers on the island of Crete this. We ourselves were once foolish, 
disobedient, and here's the word, led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. How were we led? By our desires, our passions, the things we go to bed thinking about wanting, wake up wanting, spending our time, energy, effort, and money wanting. We can, it's the sensuality of the body that is deceptive and we chase those things because whatever the end of that thing is, is our God. Maybe it's comfort. I want comfort. That's what I, that's God to me. I believe if I had comfort, then, then all my problems, the, the black hole of my heart would be solved. I, I, money and whatever money would give you, I believe is going to solve my inner heart problems. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's recognition. Maybe it's revenge. Maybe it's just pleasures. I just want to experience. If I can experience pleasures in my physical body, then I believe that's what will solve my problems. Every one of us thinking right now, I don't, you don't have to say it, but I want you to think, what, what is it, as James says, each one is drawn away and enticed by his own desires. We all have it. What is your desire that you can feel drawing you away, pulling you, trying to pull you back in darkness? What is it? Put it right here in the front of your head and think about it. And I want to read a verse as we're talking about that thing that pulls you away. Paul says this in Romans 6, for when we were slaves of sin, We were free in regard of righteousness. We were free in regards to God. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things that now bring you shame? That thing right there. What are you getting from those things? Now that you know Jesus and that thing only brings you shame and that's why you have to do it in darkness and in isolation because you're ashamed of it but yet you still want it in the flesh and yet you're wise that it's not gonna provide anything for you. Actually, here's what it's going to provide for you. Here's what Paul says. He says, what fruit were you getting at the time from those things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. The end of those things is death. Don't settle for ignorance. Let's be a people who are like, you know what? I wanna know what this says. And, and I know the holes where I don't even know what I know, so I'm gonna let this fill this. I'm just gonna believe what I hear. I'm never gonna forget how I was led astray back to the spirit of the age and it's through my desires and my passions, which is how false prophets work. They appeal to your senses, health, wealth, prosperity. All of that appeals to what you want on the here and now. Third thing is this. Finally, this, test what you hear with gospel truth. Don't settle, never forget, and then test. Everything that you hear every day, test it with what you know to be true. He says this in verse three. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Notice that Paul says, therefore. That's how we know that he's not making this primarily. The focus isn't on spiritual gifts. The focus is on understanding the Holy Spirit from the spirit of the age that's constantly trying to masquerade as the spirit of God. Go all the way back to the beginning. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent shows up and he tries to whisper in the ear of Eve and make her think that the words that she's saying are good and even above God's. You should listen to that. Test what you hear with gospel truth and he gives them a test. If you hear anyone say Jesus is accursed, that's, that's not the spirit of God. 
And they would have been hearing this, especially living in Corinth where they cursed everyone. And also with some of the pagan religions and Gnosticism that try to say that flesh is bad, spirit is good. Therefore, Jesus in his flesh, Jesus, the flesh man is accursed. Cursed is anyone who hangs on the tree, possibly. They would have been hearing things like this, possibly. John and 1 John repeats this. John says, here's how you know the spirit of Antichrist, that anyone denies that Jesus has come in the flesh a person, a real person, God himself made as a man, come into the earth. Pay attention as you listen to the spirits around you. What are they saying about Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit, as we learn from Jesus, it comes to testify about him, not try to lead your heart away from him. What are the things that would lead you away from the word of God, Jesus Christ? It's the spirit of the age. And it is extremely deceptive. It, it, it will never come in a very scary demonic form. It will always come as an angel of light. That's what we're told. He wants to trick you. Listen and test. But how can you test unless you don't know? You must know. Let God pour into your heart and your mind the things that he wants you to know. Go away from the milk and move on to spiritual maturity. And that adversely, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the spirit. I've heard people use this and say, hey, say Jesus is accursed. If you can say it, it's not the spirit. Or they'll say, say just let me hear you say Jesus is, it's not what this means because Paul just said Jesus is accursed. He just wrote it. What it means is the legitimate belief of the heart that someone genuinely believes that Jesus is accursed. That's not a spirit working in them. But someone who genuinely believes and confesses that Jesus is Lord, he's authority, he's Lord, he rose from the dead as, as Romans 10 says, that is the spirit of God at work in someone. And then if they're saying he's Lord, they're saying, I submit to him. He is my authority above every other one. I follow Jesus. Church, bear with me. I'm realizing what time it is and it's distracting me. But I do, I do think we need to finish this and I'll go as fast as I can, okay? Thank you. Test what you hear with gospel truth. You know, I think one of the main ways we are led astray his instinct or our gut. That's what we follow. This feels wrong. This feels right. My gut, my instinct. Jeremiah 17, nine says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? That's why we need something to order our life from. And if we're not putting any energy into understanding this, we've let the spirit of the world say, no one, no one can understand this. When Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed, it's the same word for agnostic. I don't want you to be agnostic. I don't want you to be like, who can know? No, you can know. It's here. Search it out. God's patient with you. You don't have to know everything at once, but a spirit that's seeking to know what God is teaching them so that they can test the things that they hear and see and know whether or not they're the spirit of demons or the Holy Spirit. And so you take the gospel truth and you attach everything to it. And if you hear things that would sound like the world, no, that's not the spirit of God. It starts with who is Jesus and it goes down into the, the moralities of life. So then they could apply this to the rest of the book. Hey, uh, taking my mother-in-law and having a sexual relationship with her, man, that's of the spirit. 
You're like, how could someone be deceived like that? Well, they would have, because in that day, the religion taught that ecstasy, filling a sensual passion was the way you got close to God and communicated with them. So that's why the priest temple prostitutes were there to come down and pull people away. And they believed having these ecstasy-like experiences meant because they were filling something powerfully sensational in the body that they were getting close to God. It's demons. I want to read you something. We're almost done. Paul in chapter 10, two chapters ago, this was his heart. He says this. Whether you eat or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. The heart of God was to save others. And anything that he did or didn't do was under that motivation. And do you know what he was worried about with them? They, he says earlier, through eight, nine, and 10, he says, you, when you offer sacrifices to these old gods, are not offering a sacrifice to God, but to demons. And I do not want you to become participants with demons, and neither should we. We wanna have the heart that Paul is manifesting. Test what you hear with gospel truth. So one last verse, I want you to turn there with me and then we're gonna pray and ask God to help us with what we've heard. Hebrews. Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, Hebrews chapter five. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews was worried that these people were falling away from Christ. They were still like, ah, is Christ who he says? Eh." And they were letting the outside spirits influence them. And these people should have been teachers first, yet they still needed milk, spiritual milk. Hebrews chapter five, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Verse 13, pay attention. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Which means if I don't know this, like like I I, I still only know the milk of the word, then the scripture itself is saying, I'm unskilled. I'm not good at knowing right from wrong. Since he is a child, 14, but look at this. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You weren't expecting a sermon like this with 1 Corinthians 12, were you? I want us to get the spirit of the passage so we will be people who will not be led astray by the evil spirits that are around us today. And I believe there are more today because we're told that the, the, the world is waxing worse and worse as time goes on. And we have more avenues. You have more avenues in your life. Your children have more avenues in their lives to be infected by the spirit of the age more so than ever. More so than ever then, 
we need to let this wash over our hearts and mind and by constant training, practice discerning good from evil. And we do that by testing what we hear and see with gospel truth. And we can only do that if we know it and are constantly growing in it. So the best things that will help you in that will be the hardest things in your life. Coming to church on Sunday seems so easy, yet you will find more spiritual attack over coming and sitting over the word being preached than anything else. Just pay attention to your life. Open your eyes to it. You will find anything that has to do with you getting under the word will be the hardest thing to do because the demons are at work in your heart. But we have a God who is greater than he who is in the world, church. He who is in the world is greater than He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And he is able to keep that which you've committed unto him against this day. And he is able to sustain you. As Paul said to the Corinthians, though as as messed up as they were, he said, brothers, I know that the Lord will sustain you until that day. God is more powerful than any spirit you would come up against Yield to him, trust him. Do not let all of this emphasis take you to a place of fear, but let it open your eyes to what God's trying to do in your life above and beyond what the enemy's constantly trying to do and leave with faith, leave with hope that the God who's working in you can keep you from becoming the person who would stumble. And guess what? You will. Thank God that the grace is there to pick us up every step along the way and every stumble along the way. Psalm 121, he who is the God of Israel will keep you. He will keep you. He will not let your foot slip, nor the moon hit you at night, nor the scorn sun scorch you by day, but will keep your going forth and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How does he want to do that? He wants you during this time now to devote yourself to this and let it pour into you, eat and feed and drink on the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know my heart. You know the struggle of, of just the, the time-sensitive nature right now, what I'm struggling with, but also feeling the, this message has to be taught and preached, so be patient with us as we struggle in these many different ways. Father, pray for some at church, all of us. Open our eyes to the war around us, and as we see the many enemies on the hills around us, surrounding us, and we begin to get filled with fear we would then see your spirit hovering above it all, keeping us and sustaining us regardless of anything that would come our way. Help us to grow in the knowledge and grace of Jesus. The sins that easily beset us, help us right now in this moment feel the mercy and the grace that is more powerful than that, that's still on us. Seeing your face, forgiving us as we give these things to you, trusting you to make us the people you want us to be. In his name, amen.